It's so good to celebrate these amazing lives that God is changing and God's using us to reach and he's using them to reach us. You know, new believers need the older believers and not, not necessarily in chronological age, but I mean, people that have been believers for longer, the new believers need the older believers, but the older believers, we need the new believers because we're inspired by them. They're encouraged to see that we're still going at it. We're still with it. We're still staying with it. Amen. But we get to see their joy and their exuberance. And it reminds us of that time and it returns us to our first love, doesn't it? And I believe that we are a people who have a miraculous heavenly father. He is the God of miracles. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of third, fourth and fifth chances. He's the God of just one more chance than you need. He's the God who always has one more chance than you need. Be encouraged because you might have fallen. But the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up because we're the righteousness of God. We can get back up. Don't be discouraged if you've fallen. Just get back up. Don't count yourself out. Just get yourself up. Just step up again and come up again and find the mercy and find the goodness. And the Bible says his goodness and his mercy are chasing us down, following us all the days of our lives. The Bible says his mercy and loving kindness, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. You know what qualifies us and what is the condition for God's mercy to show up in our lives? Well, the one condition necessary for God's mercy to show up in your life is a new day comes and wherever there's a new day, there's new mercy. Whenever the sun comes up, there's new mercy. There's mercy to last the rest of that day until the sun comes up again. And then his mercies are new every morning and his faithfulness never comes to an end. Wow. You know, this Christian journey, it's not about our faithfulness to God. It's about his faithfulness to us. And really, our faithfulness becomes a reflex of his faithfulness. You know, back in the day, how many remember the OG days back in the day when you go to a doctor who would have a stethoscope and he'd have a little hammer or she'd have a little hammer. Remember that and they take that little rubber hammer or whatever it was and you cross your leg and they say, test your reflexes and they hit you at that spot and your your leg just goes out. It's a reflex. It's not you're not sitting there have practicing. You're not going. I can't wait till he hits me with that hammer. I'm going to go like this. I'm going to, you know, nobody practices that. Like I hope my I hope I, I hope my reflexes work. You don't do that because it's automatic. It is a reflex to being touched at a certain point between your ligaments. It is a it is a, a reflex that is a natural response to what has just hit it. And in the same way that our faithfulness is simply a reflex of God's faithfulness. Our love for God is simply a reflex of his love for us. He hits us with his love and whoo, it causes a reflex of gratitude. He hits us with his power and whoo, it causes us a reflex of praise. He hits us with his kindness and whoo, it causes a reflex of repentance for his goodness. It says his, his kindness leads us to repentance. You see, even repentance is simply a reflex of God's kindness to us when we don't deserve it. 
our giving that we just heard about and participated in. It's a reflex to how thankful we are for what Jesus has done in our lives. If we could learn this, and this wasn't really my message today, but if we could learn this, that the Christian life is all about reflexes and not um, us trying to prove, us trying to keep up, us trying to, 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 to promise God we're going to live for him. We don't have to promise him anything. We do not live this life of victory based on the promises we make to God, but we live this life of victory based on the promises he makes to us. And when you get a hold of that, you want to be in church. You want to give your tithe. You want to get involved. You want to serve. You want. Why? Because all of those things are a reflex of your revelation of the love of God. We love him because he first loved us. First John chapter four says we love him because it's a reflex because he first loved us. Our love for him is a reflex. Got it? Reflex. That's the that's the life. That's the journey. We could go home right now. We got it. Ready? I'll share a couple more things with you since you insist, but (laughs) you really had to twist my arm on that. So today, listen, the Sunday after Easter, I wish you happy Easter again. Why? Because every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday for us. But I want you to I want you to remember something that I said last Sunday, if you were here. But I'll say it again on the day of Jesus resurrection, a new order of existence was born, a new species of people were born. We the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. One translation says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new species of being. He is a part of a type of people that has never existed before. And so we are a new species of being. We're we're a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah. That's what it means to be born again. We're new creatures. We're not just a better version of what we were. We're a new creation. New creature. Woo. Resurrection, remember, is not resuscitation. He's like, Pastor, why are you talking about resurrection? It ain't it ain't Easter anymore. It is to me. It's it's Easter every day to me. And we got brothers and sisters around the world. Today is actually their Easter for many people. But seriously, and true. And yet what I'm really trying to get at is to remember that nothing like this has ever happened before. What we're living in. We're new creatures. Resurrection is not resuscitation. Like the people that Jesus brought back to life because they died again. Resurrection is not reincarnation. Resurrection is not a mystical vision or phantom appearance by a ghost. Resurrection is the remaking, the recreating of something new, something that has never existed before. That's what happened to you the day you accepted Jesus as your savior. Woo! And it's important to recognize that the resurrection of Jesus would not was not just celebrated the day it happened. It began a tradition and a new custom 
of gathering the first day of the week every week to rejoice with fellow believers and to take the gospel message to the world. Have haven't haven't we all asked the question of ourselves? Haven't we all said at one point or another? Why did the Lord's day or the day that why did the Sabbath turn into a Sunday instead of a Saturday? Because the Sabbath was Saturday. That's when the Jews celebrated the Sabbath, the day of rest. Why did all of a sudden it begin the churches begin and people began to gather on Sunday. It was because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. And upon his resurrection, they began to gather every first day of the week. Sunday is not the last day of the weekend. It's the first day of the week. And they began to gather the first day of the week because something powerful happens when you put God first. When you put God first with your day, something great is going to happen that day. When you put God first the week, something great is going to happen that week. When you put God first in your family, something great, something great is going to happen in your family. When you put God first in your money, something great is going to happen in your finances. When you put God first in your mind, something great and peaceful is going to come into your mind. When you put God first in your song, joy is going to fill your heart and you are going to experience the joy of your salvation. Yes, my brothers and sisters, we get to celebrate on the first day of every week because it is Resurrection Day every Sunday, every day. And we're putting God first. Look at what it says. John chapter 20, verse one. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away, just like the kid told us. I don't know if you noticed that, but he had preacher shoes on. Did you guys notice? Did anybody notice the preacher shoes on that kid? I'm like, I got a pair just like that. John chapter 20, verse one, another translation says the first day of the week came. Mary Magdalene came early, yet it was dark. She came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away. Wow. Rolled away. Amazing. Only an angel could have done that. And in Acts chapter 20, verse seven, I just want to give you some some context for why we gather every Sunday. And then I want to tell you about the promises of God's presence in our lives. It says in Acts chapter 20, verse seven, on the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Well, how many remember the Sunday evening, Sunday night services we used to have here? Some of them seemed like they were going to last till midnight. <laughs> Paul's like, I'm not, I'm not going to see you guys for a while. So he preached everything he knew till midnight. <laughs> One time he preached all day, all night. It was so long that the Bible says that a kid was sitting on the windowsill on the second floor of a building and he fell asleep and fell over as Paul was preaching. Yeah. Now, I know how that is because I put a lot of people to sleep myself. <laughs> oh, it says he dropped three stories to his death below. And Paul, as Paul spoke on, in other words, the kid dies and Paul keeps preaching. But then no young man named and that says his name. I know. Then Paul went down, bent over and took him into his arms and said, don't worry, he's alive. The kid had died. But because God is the God of resurrection, he came back to life and Paul was a part 
of that coming back to life. And when we gather together, we're speaking life. We're experiencing the life of God. We're sharing the life of God. They were devoted, it says, to the apostles teaching the word of God and to fellowship. You know, you know what fellowship is, right? It's two fellows in one ship. It means that we got to <laughs> we got to stick together. That's all such, a, such an old one, right? Oldie but goodie. But we have we're better together. We're better together. And we gather on the first day of every week. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a portion of his income. That's where the tithe, we believe in that, uh, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will be needed because they're, they're already coming and bringing it. They were already coming and setting it aside. We have to learn to set aside things unto God. We need to set aside some time and give it to him. We need to set aside our tithe and our offering and give it to him. We need to set aside our agenda and give it to him. Come on, who's with me here? Um, in Revelation chapter one, verse 10, it says on the Lord's day, which was the first day of the week, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, John says, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Man, something about gathering together on the first day of the week. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together. You say, we're here, Pastor. Why are you preaching this to us? We're already assembling because I want you to know why we do what we do. And I want you to be an encourager of others. And I want us to be be our brother's keeper. We got we got lost loved ones. We got lost family members. We got people that have strayed. We got people that have 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 fallen back and and we don't judge. We just go and reach them and help them home. Amen. And, and wait for them, bring them home and go after the broken, go after the hurting, go after the people that feel the shame. The devil wants people to feel shame so that they won't come to church. He wants them to feel guilty and beat down so they won't come to church. But how much more should we gather together? He says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. You see, the real issue with, get, with not gathering together is it becomes a, a habit in our lives. It's really not that your heart is hard. It's really not that you're a bad believer. It's, it's none of that. It's that you've gotten into a habit. People have gotten into a habit of not assembling together or we get into a habit of assembling together. Now, it doesn't matter if I feel it or if I don't feel it. There's many times when I wake up. I'm not feeling like, oh, I can't wait. But when I get here, something happens Amen. because I start to because there I am. Jesus said there I am in the midst of them. Believe in the miraculous presence of God's manifest presence when we gather together. Amen. There is something supernatural that happens when we gather together. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Wow. There I am in their midst. You see, the greatest distinction of our lives from who we used to be is the presence of God. Amen. The greatest distinction of our lives from those without Christ is the presence of God. The greatest difference maker in your life, without a shadow of a doubt, it's not even there's nothing that even comes close to being second. 
the greatest difference maker in your life is the presence of God. It says when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers in Genesis chapter 39, he not only was put into a pit by his brothers, but then he was sold as a slave to Potiphar. And it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse one, when they took Joseph down to Egypt, it says, and Potiphar, the Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And it says, and the Lord was with him. And that's how he became a successful man. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became. You see the reflex? The Lord was with him and the reflex was what he became. The Lord was with him and he became a successful man. Success is not based on money. Success is based on the presence of God. True success is having the presence of God in your life. True success is having the Lord with us. True success is like Joseph who had the Lord was with him. And so he became a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. And it says, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. I want you to say this right now. Say the Lord is with me. His presence is in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. God is with me. God is for me. God is in me. And therefore, I am a successful man or woman. Therefore, everyone will see that the Lord is my source. The Lord's presence is what causes everything in my life to prosper. Amen. Boy, who doesn't? You know, everyone on the face of this earth is trying to prosper, but most people just see it as finances. Prosperity is a person. It is not a thing. It is a person. When the Lord is with you, when you abide in his word and his words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you wish. Jesus said, John 15, seven, you shall ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Boy, put that verse up if you guys can find that. John chapter 15, verse seven, if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. I'm not making this up. And he says, and it will be done for you. I, you know, there's no, there's really no um, shadow of turning with Jesus. There's no uncertainty here. There, there's no speculation. He said, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He doesn't say it might be done if you're really good, if you got a good attitude, if you stop, you know, doing, you know, whatever you were doing. I don't want to start naming people's sins because then you'll start naming mine. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Amen. Whoever is merciful will also receive mercy. My father is glorified by this, Jesus said, that you bear much proof, much fruit, excuse me, and so prove to be my disciples, that you bear much fruit. He wants us to ask for souls. He wants us to ask for more people's salvation. He wants us to ask for our family to get saved. He wants us to ask for healing. He wants us to ask for miracles and signs and wonders. He wants us to ask for financial abundance because 
the more you have when you are faithful, when you put God first, the more you have, the more good you can do with what you have. We have to stop fighting with what God's trying to get us. We've got to stop fighting what God's trying to give us. He's trying to give us salvation. It's free. We receive it by faith. But some people are fighting it because they want to prove that they can be saved in their own power. None of us can be. It's impossible with man, but nothing's impossible with God. Amen. We can't sometimes be healed in our own power. Sometimes, you know, one of the places that I've found peace in my life is knowing what I have control over and knowing what I don't. And there are a lot of things we get mixed up about that, what we have control over and what we don't, you know, a lot of mix, a lot of mix, mix up there. Sometimes we we think God is in control of things that he's given us control over. God, I wish you would come and give me your power. But you see, he already gave you his power. You just have to use it. God, I wish you would come and give me new gifts. He's already given you gifts that you haven't even discovered, but you only discover them as you're serving as you're giving, as they went, they were healed. They were cleansed. Ten lepers. They said, have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on us, son of David. And he said, go show yourselves to priests." as they went. They were they were cleansed. It says as they went and something happens as you're doing it, as we're gathering together, his presence is manifesting as we're gathering together. Healings are flowing as we're gathering together. Expect healing, expect to hear from God, expect a miracle, expect a breakthrough, expect your family salvation, expect an idea, expect abundance, expect blessing, expect God's good, expect something good to happen in your life. This is what God does when we're when we're gathered together. And this is what he does when we go home. not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wow. If we could realize that we need to encourage one another, the word encourage is to build up. You know, there's two types of people in this world. There's builders and there's destroyers. There are people that build you up and there are people that tear 